Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So we're doing a second part this morning on belonging. Uh, Carl jump-started that last week. And so I get to talk to us about security versus insecurity, how to live securely in an unsecure world. And in doing that, I thought the Lord just brought to my mind, there's one thing that keeps us insecure. I don't think everybody is plagued with this, but I think all of us have a different aspect of this in our lives that we need to deal with. And so I want to talk about this thing that can be a giant to some of us. It used to be a giant to me. And because of being forgiven and being redeemed, it's no longer that giant in me. It just shows up and pops up every once in a while. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this giant seems to cause a lot of anxiety, causes fear, even causes to fail. And we're not about that because we are sons and daughters of God. There's a calling on our life to serve him and follow him. And I'm bound and determined one way or another to expose this giant so that we can do what God has asked us to do. And it doesn't hinder us anymore. Is that okay? You with me? Well, about a dozen of you are. How about the rest of you? Okay. All right. We're going to get with it then. So um, I want to speak the name of Jesus over victim mindsets. The word that we're going to talk about today and deal with and conquer in so many different ways and expose is being a victim. Now, next month, I'm going to be 72. Yes, thank you. I'm going to be 72. And I cannot any longer blame mama and daddy for my issues. Someplace, sometime, we just got to grow up. And we got to own our stuff. Being a victim keeps us from owning our stuff. Doesn't it? So we blame everybody else but ourselves, because we don't want to take ownership of our situation. So some time ago, uh, I got things right with my dad. And I think I was about 27 years old. And that's when I decided, uh, after talking to my dad, we had a conversation. It was probably the most I ever heard come out of him. And uh, I decided then, I'm not blaming dad for anything else in my life. I'm done with that. So you're looking at somebody right here who has been redeemed of being a victim, is in the process of being redeemed, and will continue to be redeemed. And if this can happen to me, and you have any issues that we're going to expose in a little bit that leads to a victim mentality, a victim mindset, you can receive redemption and be healed and set free from this thing. It no longer has to bother you, plague you, and mess you up. There's a scripture that I want to read. It's from Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses, verse 8 and 9. And it says, when the mind is focused, pay attention, when the mind is focused on the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, 
commendable, excellent, and anything worthy of praise, you will be on your way to experiencing peace. How many of us desire peace? Victimization keeps us from having peace. And the word says that we need to focus on these things. And when we focus on what God's word says about us, instead of us focusing on us and what everybody else says about us, we'll find redemption. And it starts with forgiveness. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then we can move on and, and excel in our life with Jesus Christ. There's a, an old illustration that's been around this iceberg. You've seen icebergs. I think it might be on the screen here in a little bit. Um, when we, we went to Alaska this year to celebrate our anniversary, 50th, and we got to go up and we actually saw icebergs. And they were talking to us about it, which I knew, you know, that probably 10% of the iceberg is above water and the rest of it is below water. But to actually see something like that was amazing. And guess what is below the, our water line? What's the word? Victim. It's there. See, and what happens is, is that we see the pretty ice above that's blue and green and all these wonderful colors. But a lot of times we don't want to deal with anything below the waterline because it might hurt. It might cause a problem, but it's holding us down. So we want to move on from that iceberg thing. And I want to talk now just a little bit about some of the characteristics of somebody who might have uh, this issue with being a victim, the whole victim insight thing. So they live in a fear of judgment. They can walk into a room and they've never been there and there's a group of people talking and all of a sudden they're laughing and one of them turns and looks at you. All of a sudden you're going, oh, am I not dressed right? And, and everything's then about you. They're talking about me. They don't even know who you are. The person with the victim mentality thinks the world revolves around them. Everything's about them. The next one is they avoid meeting new people because new people scare them to death. They don't know how to deal with it. They, they don't believe that they're good enough. How many of you, you, I don't want anybody to raise their hand on this one, but how many of you have ever just, when somebody gave you a compliment, you just put yourself down? You couldn't just say, thank you. You had to go, oh, no. I mean, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that good of a deal. And what you're doing when you say it wasn't that good of a deal, it's like, come on, give me some more praise. Tell me, tell me again how good it was. I really want to hear this. See, that's a fake humility. That's what it is. They're not true to themselves. How many of you know what a chameleon is? A little lizard that likes to change colors depending on its environment. And there's a little bit of that in some of us here this morning. It's not anything to brag about because what happens is you are just like whatever, you just act like just whoever you're with. So they're with Christians and they're just as godly as can be, talking the stuff. I mean, they've got it together. And then you go to Facebook and you go, I cannot believe they posted something like that. That's because 
they're trying to relate to this person, and they, want to, they don't like themselves. They don't even know who they are. And so they just want to be like whoever they're with. So they just change this color, change here, change here, change here. Victimization kind of is at the root of just destroying you. They think of the worst all the time. They're very pessimistic. Uh, they think anything that they are a part of, is, they're just doomed. It's never going to work. And especially if you come up with a good idea, they'll try to run it. Because they don't want you to have a good idea. They want to come up with a good idea. And their good idea is going to be doomed anyway. They don't trust other people. They're paranoid. Absolutely frozen with paranoia. Just worried about everything, anything. And they look for the worst in each situation. They're not rooted in reality. The reason they're not rooted in reality in real, in the real world is because the world they live in is imaginary. And the reason it's imaginary is, is because they have the final say on it. It doesn't matter what you say, what I say is the truth. I can go into my boss and he's going to tell to me about something I may have done wrong and I'm listening to him and he's trying to help me and I'm just going to go, nope, you're wrong. I'm the one that's right. Because in their imaginary world, they don't do anything wrong. Everything they do is right. Everybody else has got the problems. It's not me. It's you. All you people have problems. It's not me. It's not me because they will not take ownership. They really just care about themselves. I have to fight for myself because nobody else cares. And kind of that's where I grew up in high school, junior high, high school. Um, my mentality was if I don't take care of myself, nobody else is. Anybody else ever feel like that? So that bred a lot of selfishness in me. I went to Bible college. Everything was about me. I met this wonderful girl from South Dakota. Asked her to marry me, and the crazy girl said yes. Little did she know what baggage I was bringing into this marriage. Because this marriage is going to be all about me. It wasn't about me serving her because I have to take care of myself. It was, the hardest thing I had to figure out was her unconditional love for me. Because the love I had been given was all conditional. It was never said verbally, but it was really imposed on me. If you do this, I will love you. That's not unconditional love. It's conditional love. I took that into my marriage. I took the whole victim mindset in. And you've heard me probably say this before. The first six years of our marriage was not good. And it wasn't her fault. It was me, the knucklehead. Somewhere in there, I realized I was being a really jerk. And I started surrendering. You know, I figured, if I'm going to be a Christian, 
<laughs> I might as well be a Christian. And quit living this way and start living God's way. And the only way I could figure this thing out was burying my nose in God's word to figure out how to be a functional person in a dysfunctional world. So I feel like this morning, <laughs> I have the ability to talk about this a little bit. Let me give you an example. Eloise and I, my wife and I, also my girlfriend, uh, we're driving north on Townsend. We get to the LaSalle light. Everybody know where the LaSalle light is up north of Townsend? So I pull up to this thing because it's red. I'm ticked. Because, and I tell her, I say, I can never get through this light. I can only make it through this light about once out of every 10 tries. And I expected her to say, yeah, I know, I have the same problem with the light. No. <laughs> no, no, no. It gets real quiet, and I hear one word, victim. And I go, oh, gosh. Because for the longest time, I would do something, and she would just say, walk by me, go, victim. And I got to where I just hated the word. I don't like the word. It smells terrible. It tastes terrible. I don't want to hear that word. And here we're in the car. After a long period, I have not heard the word victim. And all of a sudden, an inanimate object has it out for me. How in the world can a stoplight have it out for me? You've been there. I know you have. How many of you have ever set a stoplight and argued with it? <laughs> yes. And it dawned on me, what in the world is going on here? Where did that come from? I haven't said anything that dumb in a long time. And I am known for saying some dumb things. But not that. And it hurt because I said, God, where did this come from? And you know, this is the part I love because my God is constantly chasing after me. My dad loves me so much, he won't let me get away with anything because he wants to redeem it so I can be free and freer so I can talk to us and bring freedom to all of us. He wants us not to be bound up by these things. And so if we will listen to our mouth talk sometimes which is really scary for some of us, if we'll just listen, we'll hear the Holy Spirit say, deal with that. See, this is called self-awareness. It's kind of a new trendy word, but I believe there's some real value to it. That moment, I became very self-aware of something that now I can pull up, you'd be proud of me, I can pull up to a stoplight now and not argue with it. I am absolutely aware that that light has not got it in for me. So all of us need to hear what's going on in our hearts because the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, what? Your mouth will say it. You can't stop it unless you're self-aware. Unless you know what's going on what's been surrendered and what's not. I have an issue with it. So listen to this one. This is a good story. 
How many of you have ever been listening to somebody tell a story and you're sitting there just busting the gut to tell your story because your story is better than their story? Hmm? So you're just sitting, and next thing you know, you just bust right in. Well, I remember the time I did, blah, 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 and, and all of a sudden you just took over everything. See, that's victimization. That is, I've got to have a scene. I, I, I want people to look at me, not look at, not look at them. Look at me. Self-realization, self-awareness would be you're sitting there, the person's telling your story, their story, and you're going, I got a good story too, but I'm going to wait my turn. Right? That's self-awareness. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to us and show us in our heart what's in our heart so that we say the right things and not say the dumb things. And some of us need to learn how to shut up. Literally. Some of us, because of the brokenness, some of us, because of the victimization, we just blah, 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 blah. We walk away, we feel good because we told our story and everybody's left with the stench. We need to be aware of what's in our heart. And I'm asking us to become aware of this whole thing about victimization. Because Jesus did not call us to be victims, he called us to be victors. He calls us to be victorious. The devil is out to kill, destroy, maim us, knock us down, keep us in the mud, anything else he can do. Jesus is here to bring us victory. And how many of us need victory? How many of us want victory in our hearts? We want the Holy Spirit to tell us, talk to us, bring healing to us. I was on a a real trip with Jesus. Uh, I, I, I think of it as I was on this train ride because I'd gotten to this point where I was telling you a little while ago that uh, I'm really tired of this whole thing of being a victim. And, and so I was praying and the Lord says, you just need to ask forgiveness. See, I had a mouth that could cut you down because I was so insecure, why I, way I felt, built myself up was I could just slice and dice you. And when, and when you were down in the mud, I would stomp on you and I'd feel really good about myself. Yeah, that felt good. Too bad for you, you don't have a mouth on you. And the Lord said, that's enough. And the only way you're gonna get through this is by asking people's forgiveness. So for about two years, I was on this spiritual train ride and Jesus was the conductor and we'd be going down the tracks. All of a sudden, we'd come to some place. I mean, it was the strangest things that would happen to me. And uh, he'd say, okay, you got about 15 minutes. And it's like, I would go into the store and here'd be so-and-so that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And he'd say, talk to him. So I'd walk up to him, I'd go, you remember me? Oh yeah. You remember what I said? Oh yeah. Could you ever forgive me? Two years, this happened. Listen, 
We're going to North Carolina, that's where my family is, and we always go to Kansas, through Kansas, St. Louis, down to Nashville, pick up 40 in Nashville and head home. This time I said, we're going down on 40, and we're going through Arkansas. I mean, nobody down there knows me. <laughs> we pull up to the gas station in Little Rock, get gas. I tell always, I'm gonna run over and get some chips. There's a store over here. <clears throat> I go over to the store. I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. Go over to the store. I open the door. The other door opens. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Jesus said, you've got about five minutes. <laughs> Would you please forgive me? <laughs> please. I mean, it's just crazy. We uh, had a conference. Uh, I can't remember if it was Eastern Tennessee or Western North Carolina someplace. And it was a national conference as all the churches from our organization came together. And, and we got there, and uh, we had our two oldest with us. And I'm there for the conference. And I'll tell you a little bit here. Before I met Eloise, I was engaged to another girl. I broke it off. It wasn't pretty. Everybody got mad at me because I broke her heart. I was already mad at me because I broke her heart. She was mad at me. And I didn't do it quite right. And she happened to be at that conference. And my wife saw her. And she comes over to me. Now, sometimes my wife thinks she's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> she came over to me and she said, Ken... There's Karen. You need to go talk to her. And then I believe I heard my wife say to the two oldest, watch this. <laughs> and I said, I mean, she's, and I'm this, and I'm scared to death. So I found Karen, and, and my kids are kind of like, he's what? He, who? What? Who was she? He was engaged. Yeah, watch this. So I asked Karen to forgive me, and she did. She was very gracious about that. At the end of two years of forgiveness on this track, I can honestly say to you that I could look in the mirror and like myself. Amen. Folks, forgiveness is the track that we need to constantly be on. And I found it's very easy for me to ask God to forgive me because he will, he's my dad, he, he's a lover of my soul. My wife forgives me regularly. I've gone to my four kids, I've asked them to forgive me for being the dodo that I was when I was trying to raise them and I didn't know any better because I have all this dysfunction crud all this victimization stuff, they've forgiven me. It's very hard for me to forgive myself. And I want to speak of freedom over us this morning. That we will accept forgiveness from ourselves. And that we will learn to love ourselves the way God loves us. And we will begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. The way our Heavenly Father loves us. That's the way we'll begin to see ourselves. 
And then when you start plugging yourself into the word and you hear what the word has to say about you, then you will realize you have a dad who's chasing after you, who loves you and adores you. And then you're going to look at, I've got the victim thing and I've got God, I've got my dad. Which are you going to choose? And that's your choice this morning. Who are you going to choose? You're going to keep blaming everybody else? You're going to keep saying, well, that's just the way I am. You're just going to have to accept it. No, I don't. No, I really don't. And you don't either. And that's why I'm challenging us. We need to stand up to this giant and say, enough's enough. I'm done with you. Can I conclude with a story? Is that all right? As if I haven't already told you one or two. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 38. It's just a really an interesting story. When Jesus had been ministering to people all day long. He was pretty tired. And he gets the disciples together and he says, let's go to the other side. And so they all jump in boats and they all start moving across the water heading to the other side, which there was another location that they were going to go and hang out and chill. A storm comes up. I mean, a huge storm. Now, we've got experienced people who know about storms and boats, and they're petrified. And where's Jesus in this story? Do you remember? He's in the back of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. The disciples are panicked, they're running all over the place. We're going to drown. We're going to drown. Even the experienced guys, we're going to drown. We're going to drown. And it says that they woke Jesus up. And you know, I've been kind of careful about that one. You know. And Jesus gets up. He rebukes the winds. He rebukes the water. Everything comes down quietly. And the guys are going, wow. Unbelievable. He even can control this stuff. And Jesus says, well, what happened to your faith? Where is it? The one part of this story that is overlooked all the time, because we focus so much on the miraculous part of the story, that we forget the very first part of the story. The very first part of the story is, Jesus invited them into the boat with him, and he says, let's go to the other side. The aristocrats of that, let's go, means I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. I guarantee we'll be there. Why do you think he was asleep in the boat? <laughs> because he knew he was going to the other side. The disciples forgot that and became focused on the issue and not the promise. Here's the guarantee I want to give us this morning. Are you ready for a guarantee? Hello? Yeah. You ready? Jesus says, I will get you from here to here. I guarantee it. If we say today in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me, reveal to me anything that has to do with victimization, Jesus will say, I'll guarantee you, I'll get you from here to here. 
you're looking at somebody who is working with that guarantee right now, believing that Jesus has brought me from point A to point B, and I have the freedom to talk to you about it. I guarantee you that Jesus will not abandon you. He's inviting you into the boat with him. He's going to get wet with you. He loves it. He's going to get messy with you. He loves it. Because he wants to be a part of your life. And he has the ability to heal. And how many want that? To get us from this to this. And right now, folks, I want to speak Jesus over victimization in our lives. I want Jesus to be the Lord of our life. I don't want victimization to play in us any part. I want us to be free in Jesus' name. I speak the name of Jesus. I speak Jesus about awareness, self-awareness, that we become aware of what's going on. And in Jesus' name, I don't have to say everything that comes to my mind. I don't have to feel everything that comes to me. The Holy Spirit can bring self-awareness, that it can be controlled in the name of Jesus. Amen? I speak Jesus over us for healing in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.